0: Yeah, all right. Well, welcome everybody. Finally, at the last five classes on the life and theology of John Owen. This is going to be a class on reading Owen. Uh, And I'm going to have three main points today. Um, And so, we've thought a lot about uh, the remarkable life that Owen lived, and uh, we surveyed his major writings, and that's all fine good, but what would make this little series most profitable, I think, would be is if we could come away with uh, a lifelong friend, in Owen, someone we can uh, think, what would Owen say in that situation or that ministry context? Um, and so many of you um, are, are probably convinced already that, that it's good to have spiritual m- mentors from the past. Um, who can walk alongside you. Um, and then I hope that this this class will also um, inspire a bit of in, intrigue to uh, do that. Uh, and um, that kind of leaves the question of where to start, right? Um, how, do, how do I approach John Owen? So I've got three points today um, that, that I hope will kind of in, inform a journey of, of Approaching Owen and reading him, I'm going to talk about Owen's legacy and, and show you how Owen has been read by other people. Uh, second, I'm I'm going to argue as best I can why you should why you should read Owen and why he would make a great spiritual mentor. Um, and then, lastly, uh, we'll, we'll look at specifically how to do that, or, or at least um, how I've attempted to do that. Um, but uh, let's pray first. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you for these last few weeks uh, where we could think about John Owen. Um, It's it's important to us, Father, ultimately, because you are important to us. Uh, We pray that you would use this time now just to spur us on uh, in in gratitude uh, for your your guiding of our lives and your guiding of all of uh, your church's history throughout the ages. Um, We pray that you would increase our joy in you and our faith and reliance upon your son, Jesus amen. Well, um, it's, it's a gift that God has given us to learn from other Christians. Uh, we can all probably think of an older, wiser Christian who has influenced our thinking about God. Maybe that's uh, been uh, personal, uh, uh, a parent or, or a pastor uh, from our youth. Um, I'm sure many of us have, have read Christian literature, um, and from, from pastors or theologians, or Bible teachers um, that, that have influenced us. There's many today that you could be reading, like John Piper, or maybe a, a, a Puritan scholar and pastor, Sinclair Ferguson, women like Jen Wilkin, or, or my wife is reading a, Elizabeth Elliot right now. So whether, whether it's been a personal influence or maybe it's somebody um, Who's written something that has helped you? Uh, probably most of us have that appreciation that that there's wisdom that can be gained through Christians who are uh, wiser than us and, and through their teaching. Um, but while we may have that sense uh, that 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 is a good thing, a lot of times uh, in the in the case of Christians who have lived long before us, uh, and. and from whom we're we're removed from their context and, and even as we were just talking about their the spelling of their words and how they how they would write, we feel a bit limited in how we can access them and their writings. And so that's been on, on my mind a lot through this class. Um, and so that's that's one of the reasons why I think it's a it's it's a good reason to um, familiarize our, our, our ourselves with their context and 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 the, the, the spaces that they were living in uh, so that they don't seem so f- far off. Um, but contextualization, I think, can only go so far. Uh, and so having surveyed with you all of Owen's life and times, um, today is, is my task is just to hand you over to Owen as smoothly as possible to make that as, as easy a transition from thinking of his, his life and times and to you, reading Owen uh, as seamlessly as possible, um, and so I, I don't want him to seem uh, as as this, you know, distant figure, um, but someone who has something to say right now in in our day in 2022, uh, as he did in the previous century and the previous century, um, and the previous century, and um, and so. For this first point, I want to show you that when you're reading Owen, you're not reading him alone, right? You're you're reading him with an audience of other Christians who have been reading him for over the last three centuries. Um, So if you're reading Owen, you'll be reading him with men like Jonathan Edwards, the New England Puritan, a Yale graduate, Uh, you'll be reading with, Ed, you'll be reading Owen with Edwards and Edwards' family and friends. Um, Edwards' father kept Owen's earliest work. Um, He kept uh, Owen's uh, latest work right as he was about to die. Um, He kept devotional and doctrinal materials. Uh, Edwards' grandfather, Solomon Stoddard, he also read Owen uh, and Friends of Owen or ex- excuse, friends of Edwards um, would, would exchange Owen books and, uh, and it would keep over uh, 20 different Owen titles in their libraries. Uh, Edwards himself was fond of Owen's Hebrews commentary, uh, which he would lend to students at Yale to read. Uh, the earliest collections of the Yale College Library held copies of Owen's work on the Holy Spirit, Um, at least three volumes of his Hebrews commentary. Uh, One professor at Yale today, he's noted that uh, if Edwards didn't have what he wanted here at at Yale, he also had access to Harvard's library, which held copies of Owen's work on the Trinity uh, and on the church and and some of his Christological writings. Uh, Edwards probably read uh, Owen throughout his life. He, he'd keep his signature and some of uh, his copies of his books. Uh, he seemed especially helped by Owen's writings on the Holy Spirit and uh, in, in his uh, book, The Religious Affections. Um, but we also know that Edward's preaching was, was assisted by Owen, especially uh, a, a series of sermons he preached on the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews, which he impar- he apparently consulted Owen's commentary quite a bit. Um, articles are being written now about Ed- uh, Owen's influence on Edwards, uh, and there's there's really a lot more to discover there, um, how how Edwards received Owen, uh, but it's evident that that Owen was read by um, by by Edwards quite a bit, and then a lot of other people from really diverse theological persuasion. So there was Edwards, there was, there, there was Whitfield too during the Great Awakening, but also people like John Wesley, the great Methodist minister, um, who he would include Owen books um, in, a, in, a, in a big uh, set of volumes called The Christian Library, which he published in 1750. Um, and in that collection, he included Owen's communion with God in the glorious mystery of Christ, and indwelling sin, uh, Wesley did. Uh, You get people like William Wilberforce, who was a key leader uh, in the abolition of the slave trade uh, in in the 19th century. He read Owen. Uh, The great Baptist preacher, uh, Charles Spurgeon, he read Owen. Um, Spurgeon called Owen the most profound divine who ever lived. He would refer to Owen's writings on sin, and he would also reference Owen's uh, commentary on the book of Hebrews uh, when, when Spurgeon, like Edwards, would, would preach on the book. Um, he would commend to his listeners Owen's typological reading of particular passages of Scripture, meaning Owen's uh, keen sense Uh, to read New Testament descriptions of Christ as fulfillments or uh, anti-types of Old Testament figures that pointed ahead to Jesus. Um, As Spurgeon read Owen, he tended to reflect back on his own life and the lives of Christians in his church. And he thought, uh, he said, uh, we're not puritanic enough. Uh, And he he said, "I, I should be glad if we were as worthy to be called Puritans as the men of the days of John Owen. Other readers would think the same thing. Not only would it be Edwards and Whitfield and Wesley and Spurgeon, but other readers in the 18th and 19th centuries would show an increasing demand to read uh, Owen's books. Many of his books would be, would be reprinted in the 18th and 19th centuries and would even be translated into Dutch and Welch, But in the 20th century, we see even even more of a dramatic swing uh, in Owen reading. Uh, A few studies appeared on isolated theological topics in in Owen's thought early in the 1900s. And then in the 1950s, there's there's a big push for Owen when when the publisher, The Banner of Truth, they printed Owen's work, Salus Electorum, or the death of death and the death of Christ. and, and so, Banner of Truth published that as, as "Death of Death," which we've talked about. Um, and they followed up. Um, they followed up this, uh, this, this printing of "Death, Death of Death" with um, sixteen volumes of Owen. Um, that's the, the white and green ones there. And then after that, they they published his Hebrews commentary. Those seven volumes there. Um, Afterward, but um, all, all of these represent Owen's, Owen's collected works. Um, their idea was to advance understanding of the history and doctrines of, of the Christian faith, um, especially um, as it was represented in, in, in the Puritan era. Uh, subsequently, Owen became the subject of a lot of scholarly inquiry. Uh, you begin to see a lot of dissertations popping up Um, across the states and abroad on Owen's life and theology. And then alongside this, historians uh, then began to understand Owen, but really the Puritans as a whole, as legitimate figures in history to be studied, they weren't uh, anti-intellectual people. They weren't strictly dogmaticians, but they were influential thinkers and they were knowledgeable about Philosophy, they were plotters, they were visionaries, um, they drew on a deep intellectual tradition. And um, you, you move into the 1970s and 1980s and early 90s, as uh, scholarly interest in Owen was growing, uh, evangelical interest was, was growing as well. Uh, J.I. Packer is probably the single most influential reader um, in more of our modern times uh, of John Owen's theology. Packer said that he owed Owen more than any other theologian. Uh, Packer, in a way, made it a life mission to put the works of Owen and, and the Puritans into the minds of modern audiences. He contributed essays and books on Owen and the Puritans that helped really what we're trying to do here, to bring the Puritans down into the, into the local church, make the Puritans ex- as accessible as possible. Um, they're not far off, and so Packer did a lot there. Um, there were other inf- influential readers of Owen before Packer, A.W. Pink, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Jim Elliott, um, but from Packer, really, uh, in the work of Banner of Truth came more modern readers like, like John Piper, who puts uh, Owen alongside uh, giants like Augustine and Luther and Calvin and, and Edwards. Tim Keller, he once said that he would not be in the ministry uh, if it were not for Owen's writings on sin. And so what we see um, today from readers of Owen is probably less Uh, of an interest in things like his politics, which we've talked about some, uh, his political theology, but uh, there's, there's been a real growing interest in Owen's uh, writings on religious experience. Um, Numerous theologians and sociologists even have, have noticed how the, there's a younger generation today of, of Christian readers who are growing tired of, uh, kind of a, a pre-packaged, superficial theology, right? Um, you may have heard of the young, restless, and reformed, right? Um, where uh, some people have 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 called it a, a moralistic, therapeutic deism, right? The, the, they're they're tired of kind of a, a distant God who gives rules and makes you feel better, right? Uh, and and frankly, for a lot of folks, that 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 isn't satisfying them, and it shouldn't. And so within that culture of kind of longing for uh, the richness uh, of a robust, a full biblical and historical uh, Christian theology, Owen readership is exploding. Uh, Owen gives us a God of the Bible who is both transcendent and he's imminent. Um, But that's not to say that Owen isn't difficult. He is. Um, he makes you work his, his his pros are difficult. They're challenging. Um, but if you can kind of ascend the top of the mountain, the view he gives you is great. He, he will really help you, um, help you understand your Bible, help you think about God in very clear biblical ways. Um, well, why you should read Owen. So if you're going to climb that mountain of Owen, you need to know uh, that you're not going to be doing it alone, uh, because Christians have have consistently been coming back to him all these years. Um, But why are they doing this? And is it worth it for you to read John Owen? And so I've thought about this the last couple days, and I've kind of condensed condense it to five reasons why I would say to, why you should read Owen. Um, first, Owen lived a remarkable life, uh, a remarkable life of faithfulness to God. He lived a godly life. Uh, he lived a sacrificial life. He endured trial, he endured uh, suffering um, throughout his life. Uh, as he maintained the Christian faith. He died honorably, right? He died as a Christian. Uh, he died in Christ. And that's that's a great prayer, as I've thought about it. Like, there's, there's not much better thing that we can ask, that I would live faithfully and die a Christian, that I would die in faith. Um, and so we can read his theology and, and muse over the context in which he was writing, and think about Owen catechizing families in, in that struggling congregation early on in his ministry as, as he's reflecting on the frailty of life as as his family is suffering loss of their own. Um, or you can think about him encouraging students to go to war with their sin and their hearts while he's at Oxford and while he's battling to reform the university around them. Or you can you know, read his restoration sermons, and you you put yourself among the congregation, and gathering, you're, you're gathering quietly in a home in Stadhampton, and you're evaluating whether or not it would it would be better for you to conform to the the religious demands of the state, or whether it would be better for you to face persecution, and so. We can read read Owen and think about his his times and and the context they were written, and that can be really edifying for us. So read Owen because of the life he lived. Um, Second, read Owen because his writing will help you love the church. Uh, Owen talks about the church as both Catholic and mystical, and also visible and organized. Meaning he talks about the church as all of believers, uh, a long line of them throughout history. All of whom, all for whom Christ died and, and over whom He reigns, and then the church is also a physical gathering, right? Individuals gathering around the Word of God, and uh, own once the universal church to look ahead out into the future and long for their full married state unto Christ, as He said, uh, long for the New Jerusalem. But as they do this, He says they also need. Uh, to see that for the time being to meet that glorious end of arriving in the new Jerusalem, Christ calls Christians to assemble, to meet together and uh, with ordinances and with officers of the church, elders, pastors. Um, The the visible church is a distinct society um, with order and purity. And Owen gives the broad view of the church. Um, he gives us this broad view of the church and an urgency to commit ourselves to the local church's daily endeavors uh, until we're united with Christ fully in the day to come. So read Owen, uh, because his love for the church will will inspire you to love the church. Um, Thirdly, Owen loved his Bible. So you you read him and and you let his love for the Bible inspire you to love your Bible. Uh, He first and foremost, Owen was a pastor, and he, he was an exegete of scripture. Um, he was a lot of other things, but that's how he saw himself. His his job was to open up his Bible and draw out the, the truth of God's Word and deliver it to people. Um, he was a close and diligent reader. Uh, his, his library was auctioned after his death, and it, it contained 3,000 volumes in it, but there's a whole lot of problems with it, probably contained a whole lot more. Um, But when it was auctioned, it contained several Bibles, including the King James Bible, which uh, is mostly what he preached out of. um, He would make criticisms about it, different uh, uh, interpretations of different words and uh, how, how particular words were translated. Uh, he would he would have issues with, and he would be he would feel free to criticize some of those things, um, but it was the translation that that most of his people were familiar with, and so that's what he that's what he preached out of. He grew up reading the Geneva Bible, uh, which came before the King James Bible, um, uh, but there there wasn't one of those that was included in his library that that was auctioned after his death. But Owen loved the Word of God. Um, he loved the pure and free reading of the word of God. He said of of his reading of scripture, I always went nakedly to the word itself to learn humbly the mind of God in it. So uh, reading the Bible was thrown also a spiritual experience. Um, when, When the Christian reads the Bible, he says, the Holy Spirit testifies to the heart of the believer of the authority and the truthfulness of scripture. And the argument he was making, it wasn't a cir- circular argument, which sometimes Christians are, are criticized of making. Like, I know the Scripture is the Word of God because the Spirit tells me it's, it's the Word of God. And I can trust the Spirit because I can trust the Scriptures and on and on, that kind of thing. But for Owen, and, and I've heard this dis- described elsewhere too, uh, people like Piper. Um, but for Owen, it, it was more... Um, A matter of just going deeper and deeper. Uh, It was instead that the Spirit testified to the authority of the Word and it brought you into a deeper understanding of the Word. And then in in the deeper understanding of the Word, you were now becoming more reliant on the Holy Spirit and in deeper fellowship with Him. And so it was a process of journeying deeper and deeper into the the riches of God's Word. Um, And so I think reading Owen will will help you gain an appreciation of, of what's taking place spiritually when you're reading your Bible. Um, fourthly, when you read Owen, and this is, this is a big one. I think when you're reading Owen, you're not just reading with other Christians who've come after him, you know, like, uh, like Edwards, uh, and, and you're not just reading Owen, uh, you're reading those who Owen read, um, Owen loved church history and he'll introduce you to other godly believers from ancient past. He'll introduce you to people like Augustine. The idea there? He'll introduce you to Augustine. He'll refer to Augustine on topics like uh, the foreknowledge of God, on God's providence, and on original sin. Um, Owen was happy to commend Augustine and other church fathers, especially on, on, on the topic of original sin. At one point, he, he, he would say, if, if any would know how considerable this article concerning original sin has ever been accounted in the Church of Christ, just let him go consult the writings of St. August- Augustine or Prosper or Hilary or Fulgentius or any of those learned fathers from whom God stirred up to resist and enabled to overcome the spreading of heresy. Uh, he loved Augustine's confessions, uh, the story of uh, Augustine's conversion to Christ. Uh, he appeals to Augustine on things like pagan idolatry. Um, and like anyone else, he won't, he won't agree with Augustine on every point, but on a lot of points he does agree. Um, he uses, Augustine comes up over a 100 times in his writings. His favorite phrase from Augustine uh, was, was on uh, the topic of obedience flowing uh, flowing out of the gift of faith. Where, where Augustine says it's God, God is crowning His own gifts in us. Um, that was that was a, a favorite of Owen's. Um, Owen will introduce us to other figures uh, who who are of of different uh, theological persuasion, um, like Thomas Aquinas, uh, who Owen had a lifelong appreciation for. Um, Owen's writings reflect. Uh, Aquinas on divine simplicity or God's immutability um, and uh, the hypostatic union of Christ, that, that Christ being perfectly at once fully man and fully God, uh, Aquinas helps him there. He has clear differences with Aquinas, obviously, especially on the authority of the Catholic Church, um, of, of the Catholic papacy, uh, but really where Owen draws from Aquinas is on method, um, in terms of method of approaching theology, you see a lot of uh, Aquinas and Owen. Um, and so uh, you get Augustine and Aquinas. You also get uh, John Calvin. Um, Owen was said to be the Calvin of England. Uh, one person has said that that Owen was the foremost expositor of high Calvinism in England in the second half of the 17th century. But it's not just the doctrines of grace. It's not just Calvinism uh, that Owen gives us from Calvin, but following Calvin's lead, Owen gives us a high view of God, right? That God reigns supreme, uh, that God is in control, um, that the world is not about us, but it's about God. Um, And everything we know about God is from God right that's that's all coming out in owen and and a lot of it's coming from from Calvin, especially. Um, owen would draw these things out in his preaching a lot of times, um, not just in academic or polemic works, uh, but in sermons he would often commend Calvin to his listeners uh, and and he he certainly seemed to to have wanted them to be familiar with Calvin, and a lot of them probably already were um, they were uh, well-read in, in, the, in the Christian tradition. Um, but for us, uh, re- reading Owen may be an entry point to people like Calvin. Um, fifthly, uh, f- a fifth reason why we should read, um, pull it up there. There we go. Um, you should read Owen because Owen was a great thinker. Uh, he'll help you think like he did, which is a good thing. Um, as, you, as you persevere in Owen, uh, he becomes easier to read. Um, but as you're reading him, you see how orderly he is in laying out his arguments and how exhaustive he could be on a particular topic. He'll, he'll consider um, competing arguments very seriously, um, and sometimes, as, as we're prone to do too, he may uh, treat competing arguments uncharitably at times or have fun with his opponents. Um, but aside from that, he'll leave you with no question of his command of the positions he's arguing against, right? Uh, and that's important. Um, it's, it was good for him to not only convince you of his case, but he wanted to expose wrong thinking on the particular matter as well. Um, and by doing that, he was, he was helping his readers not allow doubt or faulty arguments to kind of creep in in, in their side view, right? Um, you, you could think of it like, you know, a cloud of doubt kind of in the side of your thinking, but when you turn and face it, it kind of vanishes, right? And when you look at it head on, you, you see that there's really nothing there. And so that's what Owen helps you do um, when... Uh, he's going through not only his arguments, but the arguments of others to show how um, how they don't hold up. Um, he'll also teach you patience um, as, as he's unpacking a particular topic, uh, which is good because it helps us not rush to conclusions in our thinking. Uh, but he'll encourage us to go point by point. Uh, he'll encourage us to define terms, uh, to proceed logically and slowly. Um, and so I think if, if any of us can think like Owen, we would, we would be in pretty good shape there. Well, th- third, how to read Owen. How do we go about doing that? And where do we start, right? Um, we could take our guidance from Owen's earliest readers. Richard Baxter was one, and, and he complained how Owen was confusing at times. And he said, it's hard to understand Mr. Owen's mind. Uh, and others apparently saw, thought the same thing. Uh, readers in the early modern England in, in this period of Owen's life, they would write a lot in the margins of their pages. Uh, they would try to subdivide the text into manageable units, uh, parse out the arguments, uh, number the points uh, the author is, is making. Uh, the few original Owen books uh, or excuse me, a, a few of the original Owen books that 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 we have um, are found with similar things like that, like numbering points in the margins. Um, and so a lot of his early readers tried to stay active while they were reading. Um, I think that is practically probably the the most important thing we can do: uh, read Owen with a pencil in hand, right? Uh, write in the margins. Um, in addition to, to numbering the points of his argument, um, what I'll, I'll sometimes do um, when I get to the bottom of the page in pencil, I'll write just like a, one, a one-sentence summary of what was on that page, right? And it's not, it's not so much that I'll go back to it later, but having read it, I'll be able to like think critically, try to distill what was the argument of this page, um, and sometimes just the process of doing that. Um, is, is helpful in securing what, what he's just written on this page. And if you're reading out of, out of the Banner of Truth volumes, there's a lot of words on a single page. It's very, very fine print. And so there's a lot there. So that can definitely help. That's helped me some. Um, and that, that, that can help you be alert. Uh, Jared Packer, who I've mentioned, he talks about Owen's lumbering literary gait Uh, And uh, he I think he's he's drawing from an earlier biographer of Owen who talked about Owen having or his writing uh, being His writing looking like a a, Like it had an elephant's grace and solid step if sometimes also with his ungainly motion Um, and and it's true that is clear. If you haven't read a bit of O, and you've heard me say it a bunch of times, that 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 is certainly true. Um, and so I would I would suggest being as active as possible while while you're reading him uh, with with your pencil in hand. If you don't, you may end up like some of his other readers who uh, would doodle in the margins. Right? <laughs> there's there's one that has. Uh, a page that has a list of uh, drawings of hats and scarves, bonnets and cravats in the margin. Um, So don't let your mind wander. Um, But if if you do, you know you're in company because um, even those more familiar with this tome also struggled. Um, Another thing I'll say is if you're reading directly from Owen's collected works, and you certainly don't have to, and I'll talk about that in a minute, um, but if you're reading from his works uh, take note of the outline that the publisher gives you at, at the start of the at the start of the book um, so you can note the chapters and uh, you'll be kind of many of you probably already do that right you, you scan your table of context to, contents to uh, familiar, familiarize yourself with where the where the discourse is going definitely do that with Owen um, and that'll help you not to get uh, bogged down in some of his subpoints, and then his subpoints of his subpoints. As you're reading it, just familiarize yourself with the with that those the, that main outline at the start, um, so you don't get kind of lost once once you're in the middle. Um, one final thing I'll, I'll say about this just generally is don't rush. Um, I've mentioned how uh, Owen, as a writer, he was patient in developing his arguments. Um, and, and so we should remember as readers, not, not to rush, but if you find something good, read it again, um, and then read it again and meditate on it, right? Think about what, what your goal in reading Owen is. Um, and so turn to the pas- passage of scripture that he may be referencing and read that pas- passage of scripture and meditate on that. Um, so you need focus, but also there's, there's, there's good reason to enjoy what you're doing. You know, try try to squeeze out um, what what spiritual fruit you can from it and don't rush. So um, just moving in terms of more and more uh, practical instruction, where do you start? Um, This is a QR code. I don't know why there's a little dinosaur on there, but I made a QR code um, that if you have a smartphone, I want to see if you can try it and maybe it'll come up on the on the on the video there too but um, see if you can do that Um, so this this will take you to a uh just a, a google document that i have um that will, that, that just has suggestions on what, what Owen books to read. Um, it works. It works? Okay, great. Yeah. So if you have, if you have, uh, like the, like a Google app, uh, then it'll, um, it, the formatting will be good. If you don't, it, it, the formatting, formatting might be a little bit off. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can also use that link and pull it up on, on, on a laptop later or whatever. But, um, So what I have there on the, on the document there is it's, it's five, uh, five books to start with. Um, so I, I would recommend choosing one of them, uh, go in order. It doesn't matter. Um, and so those, those five are under the, under the section important Owen books. Uh, they're not necessarily his most important, uh, but they're five that capture a lot of Owen. And so look at each, each book, um, They'll first, so on the document, I have a longer title of the book and then a bullet point or two underneath. The first bullet uh, is the title of an abridged version uh, or a version that has been updated with modern English um, to make it sort of easier to read. Is that working? Is it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, great. yeah. The re- reason I did, I wanted it on this instead of like a handout, cause it, I, I, I linked on the document so you can like click a link if you're just going to buy it and then it'll, it'll take you straight to like the Amazon or banner, whatever the website is. Um, but, uh, so there's, there's, there's a long title, then there's the, uh, you know, an abridged version and then a link to where you can get that. Um, and uh, you know, we're, we're, and I, what I linked was just whatever, wherever I could find kind of the cheapest, uh, most accessible one. So I, I just wanna run through some of these. Um, there's Communion of God, which we've talked about in this first section of five. Um, uh, an updated version is beneath that, uh, linked where you can find that. Um, I have where you can find it in no one's collected work. So uh, there in bold, um, so it says volume two, page one, right? So if you're finding, uh, wanting to find that in, in his works, you can do that there. Um, you can access all of Owen's works free digitally at puritanlibrary.com, I have that listed at the very top of the document. Um, uh, but for the easiest reading experience, you're, you, you'll probably want to go with uh, the updated uh, publication on, on a lot of the, the purchase links or the, or the read online link. Um, the second one there is the Exposition of Psalm 130. I um, haven't talked about that book, but um, this, is one of, this was one of Owen's most popular books in his own day. Um, and it's a real simple, it's, it's beautifully written, um, and you can find a modern printing of that. Its, its title is, is uh, The Forgiveness of Sin. That's really a great place to start. If, if you're just wanting to kind of dip your toe in, I would definitely recommend that one. Um, a third one is Death of Death, which we've talked a lot about. And uh, if you're going to read Death of Death, definitely do it uh, with the Banner of Truth edition. I, I have that listed below. Um, the title is, is, is just Death of Death. Um, it includes that introductory essay by J.R. Packer, um, and it, which by itself is absolutely wonderful um so so definitely if you're going to read death of death start get that one that has a packer's essay and start with packer's essay don't don't skip it um and i
1: was told to get the book just for the introduction <laughs>
0: worth it. yeah i that's good advice i'll that, i'll say it that way next time <laughs> um but yeah that that is great uh it's not listed in these 5 um because it's easy but it is a significant one. And I've mentioned how, how some things would change on, uh, on uh, the, the topic of, of redemption in Owen's thought from, from this book to one a few years later on the necessity of the atonement. Um, but overall, it does reflect his, his thinking um, throughout his life, and it, and it definitely has been his most popular. Um, we've talked about mortification of sin. That, that one's listed fourth there. Um, uh, there's a couple of, of listings there, but, um, one of the modern prints of mortification of sin, it includes a few other of his works on sin, uh, of temptation and of, uh, indwelling sin. And so they've collected all three of those and they have really good outlines that that can help you track along, um, much better ones than you, than you'll find in, in the in the big collection of his works. Uh, that one's out with Crossway. So if you're going to read Mortification of Sin, I would definitely go, go that route, and you'll get two extra works along with it. Uh, the fifth one there is, was one of Owen's most popular books. It was published the year after he died, uh, Meditations on the Glory of Christ. It's in Volume 1 of his works, um, but, but it's also published alone with uh, Banner of Truth, and that link's there. Um, so as I say, all, all these... Uh, Four of these five are really good ones to start with. Um, maybe the exposition of, of, of Psalm 130 would be a good one. Uh, Death of Death. Don't start with Death of Death, but once you get used to Owen, you know, go for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. I, yeah, it absolutely is. I, I've, in, in fact, I've included that at the bottom of this list here. So uh, that is a great a great entry into Owen's uh, Owen's thought his theology. Um, so then, uh, if you, you see the next heading, it's on uh, you know an extended list of Owen Owen's reading. So um, some of the uh, you know the ones in the first section are repeated, but there's seven others here. Um, if you're wanting to you know read on a particular topic like the Trinity. Uh, or you're doing a Bible study on Hebrews, or, um, and so some of those titles may be able to help you there. Um, and, and those are listed the same way, works in bold then modern printing, uh, and then a link where you can find that. Uh, I want to say a few things just on the Hebrews commentary there, because I, I haven't said much about it, but uh, that's on, yeah, that's number number seven there. Um, the Hebrews commentary, it, it originally came out in four volumes from 1668 to 1684, uh, the last being the year after Owen died. And Owen thought that this commentary was his greatest achievement. Uh, he thought it was the best uh, thing he had written for the church. And so uh, the commentary, it was, it was published by Banner of Truth in seven volumes, uh, even though it, was originally, it originally came out in four. Um, and so each of these seven volumes is around 600 pages. Um, they're, they're, they've, Banner of Truth has rearranged it some from how it came out. Um, but essentially you have the first two volumes in the Banner edition covering Owen's exorcitations or his preliminary, uh, exercises, his preliminary, uh, discussions regarding the text and then beginning in volume three, uh, He'll begin with the actual exposition of the book of Hebrews. Uh, and so in, in, but in those discussions, those first two volumes, you get really good, really good material um, where Owen's covering uh, setting and, and context, audience. Um, and then he, he writes some really good content on the Messiah um, and, and uh, the priesthood of Christ. Um, one of his, his goals there in those preliminary discussions, you know, that he's wanting to kind of set you with before going into the text is that, you know, this, this book is going to be about, um, uh, he's going to say the the epistle is going to show us, show us that there is first, there is a Messiah. Uh, and then second, that the Messiah has in fact come and done the work committed to him by God, the father. And then third, that the Messiah is Jesus. And he's very slow and delicate in how he, in how he does this, but it's, it's, it's really good preparation uh, for even to go verse by verse through, through his commentary. Um, you, you can also see in the commentary a lot of Owen's covenantal framework and um, how he's reading uh, the scriptures and how he's keeping in mind the biblical narrative. Uh, and so you get not just his thoughts on immediate verses, uh, but you get to see him engage the scriptures theologically uh, and consider how Christ in Hebrews it fits within um, and, and displays the glory of God's uh, overarching um, uh, plan of redemption. Uh, so that's that's Hebrews. Uh, one last thing on Hebrews, there's the seven, seven volume set that you can get with Banner of Truth, but then Uh, there's also uh, just a one single volume that's like way condensed uh, and it's out with Crossway and J.I. Packer uh, has has edited that uh, volume that one's listed there that's that's one of the links there Um, if you so if you want to if you're interested in Owen on Hebrews start there um, before getting the the big set Um, and he has some introductory remarks there as well Um, it's it's part of their 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 um, classic commentary series. So it's, it's white and and blue there. And you may have heard of of, uh, Luther's Galatians commentary. So they have like, you know, Luther on Galatians. This is Owen on Hebrews. Um, Let's see. Uh, Yeah. And and then I mentioned there's, there's a couple other, other things, um, a a few uh, biographies on Owen that are listed there. Um, If, if you're just wanting a little more, like something like this, um, with some history, some theology, uh, start with an introduction to John Owen. Uh, it's out with Crossway. Uh, it's called, the subtitle is a Christian vision for every stage of life. That's where I'd start. If you're wanting a more academic biography of Owen, or you want more of the historical context and, and wanting to understand like what a complicated figure he was in his own rights, um, then, then you'd want to go with the, uh, one that's listed a, l- a little bit below, uh, John Owen and English Puritanism experiences of defeat. Um, and then in the, in the final section, uh, there's books on, on English Puritanism again, J.I. Packer, um, a quest for godliness is a book. If you want to, uh, especially for, for a Christian audience, if you want to learn about the Puritans, um read a quest for godliness. That's, that's the best uh, place you can go. Um, for more historical context on the Puritans, uh, John Spur, uh, his book uh, I have listed there. Um, just, you can get more of the politics and, and, and who they were as, as a social group. Um, one thing I've missed there, I have a third, a third uh, book there, and that's just uh, the Valley of Vision, um, which is a collected a uh, uh, volume of prayers of the Puritans. Um, and that's one thing I've missed here in talking about reading Owen is to read Owen prayerfully, um, and, and, and to, to pray before you read and, and, uh, ask God to teach you through another Christian. Um, and, uh, and, and so I think that's a good prayer to, to have as you're approaching him. But if you want to pray like the Puritans, um, you can read this volume. It's, it's daily prayers. They're, they're very scripturally informed. You can think of like a a book called praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. Um, The Puritans prayed the Bible. And so these are very scripturally informed prayers and really edifying things. um, I can, again, just kind of draw the Puritans closer to you in your own thinking in your own life. So um, I pray that these things will, will bless you all. um, And that, uh, Maybe maybe these few weeks can give you a, a lifelong friend in Owen and, and also the the Puritans because Owen wasn't wasn't alone. Um, yeah, have to ask and answer any questions. I, see, yeah. yeah. I'd
1: be um, I'd love to hear how your study of Owen has.
0: Affected your own spiritual life. Sure, let me share. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I I I came to Owen, um, and by reading Death of Death. uh, So not how I would recommend approaching Owen, but I had I had godly friends who uh, who loved the Puritans and loved me and recommended reading Death of Death, and so that was that was a challenge to, to read Owen, but um, I'm not sure I came away with a whole lot, other than Owen was way over my head. Um, and uh, then I've I mentioned a few times about communion with God and how that, that book has meant a lot to me. Um, and uh, I, th- I think that's when I was kind of getting an entry into Owen and, and realizing how he could affect, you know, my day-to-day life, not not just uh, thinking um, uh, theologically, but, but in a way kind of removed as, as I felt like death of death was for me at that point. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's where I, 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 I started. And then f- from there, I, I read uh, J.I. Packer's The Quest for Godliness. And so now I'm thinking about Owen, you know, among a body of other uh, Puritans who love Christ. Um, and, and wanted to, you know, bring doctrine into daily life. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of times I'm, so I'm, I'm doing academic work on Owen and, um, I, I consider it a great kindness of God to allow me to do academic work on someone who has meant a lot to me spiritually. Um, sometimes what I'm reading is, isn't, uh, doesn't feel that, uh. Uh, sensational, um, like reading a lot of like kind of the political sermons and things like that, where I feel kind of removed from some of the specific things he's talking about. Uh, but on the whole, you know, um, even, even doing academic research on Owen has, has been, uh, yeah, just really edifying. I, I think the more I've learned about his life, um, that's, had a close to, if, if, if not more, impact than, than the, the theology that he's given me, which I'm thankful for. Um, but the the ideas of, of Owen's perseverance through trial, um, of, of his suffering, which I don't know a fraction of, um, and then the, the diligence that he had in his study, uh, just a, a rigorous approach um, to, to the Christian life, but, one that was also filled with a lot of joy, right um, so that that's helped me a ton and in, and uh, in, in motivating me to um, approach the Christian life with discipline and often when you're reading Owen, I'm not nearly as disciplined as owen and uh, and and so I think God's used that to humble me um, and I think you'll find that you know reading a lot of. Christians, you know, a a lot of, um, a lot of works from, from godly believers. Um, and that's, that's a good thing. I, I hope that happens more. It's good to be humbled by, um, you know, godly, godly people. Um, yeah, I I mentioned how, I I guess I may be in that group of, of the, the young restless and reform, right. Who, who came out of a culture of, Maybe a more superficial or uh, kind of a pragmatic um, type type of ministry experience, and Owen filled that void richly, Um, and and so I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Just a
1: comment uh, and a question. Uh, I came. I've read some of Owen, but. When you mentioned J. I. Packer, for me that like I came to the purity through J. I. Packer. So knowing God number one, then question of Godliness. The intro to the Death of Death. when I was a young Christian, so um, I think that kind of like drew me into the depths and the riches of, of Owen and some of his contemporaries. Um, I, I wanted to ask you a question about um, some of Owen's writing on the Spirit. And I'm just thinking about Edwards' uh, r- religious affections. And I'm wondering, uh, could you just speak a little bit more about some of what Owen had to tell generation about living with joy in the spirits? Uh, and how that might differ than what people think about today? Uh, Any insights for Christians who really want to walk by the Spirit? Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, I I think Owen wanted Christians to know that they could have a direct uh, interaction with the Holy Spirit, um, that the Holy Spirit, you know, wasn't wasn't distant from them, but as I mentioned, he he was he was present in, in things like reading reading Scripture. There was there was that communion uh, with each person of the Trinity, but um, this, the Holy Spirit could, couldn't be forgotten in that. Um, there, was, there, yeah, there was a direct interchange between the Christian and, and the Holy Spirit um, yeah I mentioned uh, the, the religious affections where uh, you, you get uh, a lot of Owen and Edwards um,
1: Spiritual mindedness yeah. is a book that I really enjoy that's on my mm-hmm. um, I found that really very challenging um, but
0: yeah, really, really good. Mm. Just talking a lot about focusing on Jesus and how do we go through our day? Um, are we thinking about Jesus? Mm. I yeah, obviously way more too. <laughs> sure, sure. And, o, and Owen did did write a lot on on the Holy Spirit. I um, w- one of those uh, updated versions um, that I have on that document is I think it's just called. The Holy Spirit by John Owen, um, but he wrote uh, over a series of years um, a collection of, of five books that were that were on the Holy Spirit. Um, that um, you know, I'm not sure how many pages that takes up in total, but um, he'll he'll address different 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 facets of of the of the doctrine, um, but. But one of the books that comes out later on is uh, uh, Discourses, maybe it's Discourses on the Holy Spirit and Prayer. Um, and so, um, yeah, so for example, like on uh, Owen oh, on the Holy Spirit, you're, you're getting a big um, doctrinal exposition of the third person of the Trinity. Um, but you will always see Owen trying to make practical application um where Christians can you know experience that uh relationship with with uh with God um it w- it wasn't something to be left up um where you know where academics think about these things for fun you know and at Oxford it was you know these were things that affected people's lives and allowed them to live for Christ. Um.
1: Yeah, I, I think a lot of Christians see kind of an experientialism that's out there and they think, well, that's not that's not scriptural. And they just kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater about the Spirit, the Spirit giving us joy to walk in Christ every day and, you know, the, the, the peace that Christ gives us. So I it's, I think the viewers have a lot to teach us about how to live really spirit-centered lives uh, mm-hmm. without going into the excesses that we kind of see uh, in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, I, I read uh, J.F. Packer's Holy, uh, Holy Spirit, Walking by the Spirit, and uh,
0: yeah. really, I think he's drawing a the moment there. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he, d- yeah. Um, yeah, it I, comes... To mind some, you know we've talked about about you know having a, a robust theology but then uh, a simplicity and of you know give give me Christ right and and you can have you can have both right and both are good the the experience of God in in, in simple ways um, and carry with it um, a rich biblical theology um, that you know that you can apply your whole mind and heart and time into um and owen holds those harmoniously um i think so could
1: you yeah. say a little bit about your focus and interest in the research that you're doing on owen's,
0: um, sure sure yeah so i'm working on owen's anti-catholicism and so owen owen's writing against um Roman Catholics which was a really big issue in his day um, uh, there was you know the, uh, Owen had several opponents throughout his writing career but but Catholics were were a big one and he was worried a lot about um, a return of Roman Catholicism as the state religion of England um,
1: Is he before turned?
0: I don't know, Turretin's Um, Owen, Owen's 1616 to
1: 1683.
0: I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not not sure off the top of my head. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, so a lot of of my work's kind of um, trying to track Owen moving from someone who's displaced after the restoration had this big career, and now he doesn't really know what to do, um, who's kind of concerned about um, a return of Roman Catholicism, and then little by little becoming uh, more radical in his thinking. Uh, what, what, what practically uh, can Christians do um, as, the, as the possibility of a return to Rome seems more and more likely um and so uh it's it's um it's more of a social history it's it's not i i'll deal some with his his theology which there's there's plenty of that there in his writings against rome he's really consistent with 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 other with other puritans you know on on the priesthood of christ and uh the on on the catholic mass and the pope and all all of these things where you get a lot of like really punchy language um where where puritans are kind of you know, labeled as like angry people who, um, you know, had had to be their their particular way. Um, I'm not dealing so much with that, but but more um, seeing how Owen interacted with 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 different people and how he tried to promote his ideas. Um, and I I think Owen Owen really gave shape to um, a, a new wave of uh, anti-Catholicism in and later. Uh, England in in the 1670s. uh, I think he had a lot of fears about uh, the government um, and and what it what could what could happen if um, you know there's a a ruler who has a lot of power and can um, you know can can determine you know what what the state religion is going to look like. Owen wanted a lot uh, he wanted representation and that's where you see a lot of his toleration writings come out. Um, but Owen was talking about those things a bit earlier than, than I think a lot of other people were. Um, and, uh, part of that may have just been, you know, how, how shook up he was, uh, uh at the restoration, you know, I think it jumbled him up a bit and caused a lot of fears about what could happen. And so he's, I think he's thinking a lot about, um, really how bad things can get and, um,
1: say a little bit about, uh, in his views on toleration, the, the, the grounds of religious toleration, but its limits in his book. In his
0: yeah, the grounds were um, really rooted in, in the conscience. He felt like the conscience couldn't be touched um, but by God speaking through scripture. Um, and any violation of that other than a Christian's freedom to go to the text in community with other Christians um, and and inform their worship that way was going to be a violation of that and so he that's what he would argue on, on the basis of conscience that, um, that the government had an obligation to not violate that before God and they would be judged if they did he thought um, the limits It 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 wasn't religious toleration in the sense that that we necessarily think of it now because there were limits. Um, For example, Owen would um, be okay with uh, Baptists being tolerated and uh, and and Presbyterians, Congregationalists like like himself. yeah, he was, he was an independent Congregationalist. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he was a, a, a Congregationalist like, like we are as, as, as Baptists. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he, he believed the, uh, you know, infant baptism. Um, it's like that, uh, so you were but pushing your yeah. Like the limits. yeah, right. Yeah. But the limit, um, so those would be tolerated, but, but, uh, Catholics, um, he, he thought Catholics, um, shouldn't be tolerated in, in England. Now he, he would change a bit, like in, in the 40s and 50s, he thought that it, Catholics, should, uh, Catholics were criminals. So if they wanted to practice Catholic mass, then they should be arrested. But later on, when he's, he's, he's needing toleration himself, he's, he's a little bit looser on that, where he says we want toleration. Catholics shouldn't be tolerated, but they're not criminals. Um, so, uh, it it was kind of a, a, an interesting nuance where, um, he was needing, I think the reason he was saying that was because he was needing to downplay how, uh, intense he had, he had been in the past, um, and, and trying to, trying to appeal as, as someone who was, I'm just this man who wants toleration.
1: An interesting nuance is what I call hypocrisy.
0: Well... (laughs) I don't know. I don't think he was a hypocrite. I I think I think he I think he was in a in a difficult position, right? And and he and he may have changed his mind too, right? He he may he may have understood things differently. It, it
1: was hypocrisy. That's different. Calling a person a hypocrite and saying what well, you're saying is hypocritical. <laughs> two, two different things. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm hypocritical. <laughs> I've done a lot of things where I'm saying camera hey, the earth, it's, it's yeah. it is metaphorical
0: but I hope that my whole life is is defined by Raul the hypocrite. Mm-hmm. You know. I, I think, think that's fair. And and it does when every you, you see a difference in somebody's thought you have to ask that um and you also kind of leave open the possibility that um you know he he was trying to make the best case he could for people who wanted to worship God. And so how could I get that done? So maybe he, yeah, maybe he opens himself up to 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 that criticism. Um, And and maybe he's being pragmatic. You know, I kind of lean towards towards Owen being more of a pragmatist. just because of kind of the chaotic scene that he was facing. Um, but, you know, his, his adversaries were, were very quick to call him on things he had said in the past, and um, that didn't get past some of his readers, you know.
1: So what did he mean when he said, so for example, Roman, Roman Catholics uh, shouldn't be tolerated, but they're not criminals. So tolerated by who presumably not doesn't mean the government because they're only concerned with whether whether you're criminal or not I mean, I mean, right so tolerated by whom and how what would it, what would toleration look like it's not criminality
0: yeah that's a good question so it would I think what owen was get, was aiming for was uh, kind of a loosely enforced um, uh, Policy towards Catholics, to where um, Catholics aren't, uh, aren't uh, you, you know, you could so you could you could be a Catholic, um, but you couldn't be gathering, um, a, you know, a Catholic mass, you know, in, in a church in in, in London, uh, that that would be broken up. Like Owen would want that broken up. You could you could get in trouble for that, um, but. Uh, if, you know, if you say, I, I'm a Catholic, like I'm, then, you know, you, we're not going to hunt you down sort of thing. Like you you could maintain that.
1: Um, you might be able to privately practice your Catholicism but it couldn't be publicly acknowledged.
0: I think that's right. And then, uh, you know, a lot of times th- throughout those years, there, w- there would be policies in place, but they wouldn't really be in- enforced a lot. And Owen benefited from that kind of thing, and so I think I think maybe he's he's thinking about those times. So you know, there's a little period in um, you know 1666, uh, uh, 67 after the Great London Fire, where there's still a policy against people like Owen, but it's it's being loosely enforced, and he's able to kind of move around and preach in places and not not get in trouble. Um, don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, right, right. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a fair question because what, what exactly does that look like? Um, that's, that's kind of where I've landed. That I, you could be a Catholic, but don't make a big fuss about it and gather in big groups. Um, he, th- he thought. Um, I think Owen was was making appeals there about um, kind of the peace of the kingdom, um, and. Uh, you know wanting wanting religion to you know um, be such that you know their the economy was doing good and um England was flourishing and things like that and so um, yeah that's that's one of the one of the ways he was making a case for for himself but um, yeah anyway yeah Great everyone, thank you and uh, thank you.